Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder of Dig Insights and president of Dig's innovation insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. So today I'm talking to Hilton Barber, and uh, Hilton said that his personal mantra is question everything, which I think is a pretty good mantra for these times, that's for sure. Uh, Hilton creates winning brands by helping businesses become adept at handling change, which there's a lot of right now, and more effective at creating extraordinary customer experiences. Uh, He is passionate about culture and believes it is an organization's only sustainable competitive advantage and that winning organizations are the ones that commit to their culture every day. And so that's one of the big reasons I wanted to talk to Hilton today. So thanks so much for joining me, Hilton. Ian, always a pleasure to chat with you, mate. Thanks for having me on the show. And you have some of the best best posts on LinkedIn. I always like to see what you have to say. You bring up a lot. You, know, you always cause a lot of uh, discussion on LinkedIn, let's say. That's very, kind, that's very kind of you. Thank you. And thank you for you. You're always, you're always keen to jump in, and I certainly appreciate that. Excellent. So let's start about culture. Cause, so for those of you who don't know, and we might touch on this if we have a moment or two, uh, you're VP of marketing at Cognitive, correct? I am indeed. And uh, Cognitive just went through a big merger and you did that all completely remotely. We did. I mean, you know, if anyone's gone through a merger uh, in what used to be BEC times before COVID, uh, you know, obviously these were high touch and people were in the same room and, you know, maybe locked up in hotels for a week or two and not seeing the outside world. In our case, we were doing it entirely remotely probably across five geographies, six time zones, and about 30 colleagues on various uh, team and Zoom calls. It was quite remarkable and certainly, you know, just a a fantastic reality check on how business is going to be conducted in the new world. So we got to see that up close and personal uh, over the last month and a half. Right. And so, you know, as anybody who's been through a merger knows, culture is often a big a big point that you need to get right. And so just when we just think about culture at a more broad level, it's a pretty nebulous concept. How, mm-hmm. how do you like to define it? Well, I think there's, an, there's probably a, an accepted academic perspective on it, which is your culture is defined as how you act, behave, and make decisions inside an organization to fit in, and therefore how your organization is structured to allow that to happen. You know, ultimately, your culture should be something that is driving business decisions. I mean, I tend to look at that as a, as a great example, a great definition, but time and again, there's, there's one that I somewhat prefer even more, which is your culture is defined by the worst behavior tolerated by your management. Because I think it gets to a very key point, which is everybody in every organization looks around themselves every day and sees what behavior will get me promoted. What are the behaviors that will get me ridiculed or sidelined? Who are the people that are seen to have influence? Who are the people that I should spend more time with or the people I should spend less time with? And ultimately, how do we make decisions around here? Are they quick? Are they easy? Are they hard? Are they tough? Mm -hmm. Do we collaborate or do we fight internally amongst ourselves? Those are all manifestations of your culture. And I think, sadly, 
what I see in, in many organizations or certainly in much of the content on LinkedIn, still the perception that culture is, do you have a beer cart on Friday? And do you have vegan muffins in your cafeteria? And do you have a Spotify playlist that plays in your open plan office? And I think that is a dangerous misconception about what culture really is and how critical it is to your company's success. Yeah, absolutely. And what I think is really interesting about what you said there is that the company will allow, because I think often when, when companies uh, do things that are perceived as negative, particularly in the press, there is this impression that there was, you know, a, a group of, of senior managers sitting in a boardroom actually making that decision. And, mm-hmm. and, and as, as a collective group kind of, you know, have doing an evil laugh, uh, finger roll saying, yes, we're going to, we're, you know, we're going to enforce sick leave through COVID. And, and that's not actually what happens in, in my experience most of the time. What actually happens is somewhere in middle management, let's say it's HR. I, I love to blame HR. My wife's in HR. So let's say it's HR. Somebody makes a call that says, oh, we can't just change this policy. This is our policy. And so we've mm-hmm. got to stick to the policy because otherwise it's anarchy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what happens in those situations is that senior management doesn't have uh, the strength or, you know, the guts to stand up and say, that's not something we'll tolerate. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that's an example of it's a lot easier to manage culture in good times, but mm-hmm. how do you manage it through a, through a crisis? And, and sort of what's been your experience on, you know, what's the, what, what are some rules of thumb that companies should be thinking about? I'm going through a crisis. I've got to be more vigilant than ever. What are some things that they should keep top of mind? So I'd suggest a couple of things. I mean, one of the classic components of culture is it is very much fed and modeled by the behavior of your leadership or those that are perceived to be the leaders in your organization. Obviously, those are typically the ones at the head of the food chain that are seen as the ones who can make the real decisions around the organization. I would suggest that the paradox of leadership in the last 90 days has changed more profoundly than perhaps any time in the last 100 years. Because for the very first time, there is a global, it's no longer, it's not a regional thing. It's not, it's not like the financial crisis that hit certain industries harder than others or hit certain geographies harder than others. We're talking with about a global leveler for everybody in every company in every industry. And I think the reality check is there is nobody on this planet today who has an answer for when this pandemic will end and how the industry will have changed. There's a lot of prognostication, but nobody has that crystal ball. And I think the reality of leadership historically has been a sense of omnipotence of people who know everything, of surety and certainty in what they do and what they say. And I think for many leaders, the very first lesson to learn is You need to be more vulnerable and more authentic today than you perhaps have ever been in your leadership career. That it's okay to not have all the answers. And for those who pretend that they do, I think that's where they'll start to lose credibility. I think the second thing is leadership as a model of empathy, because heaven knows when you look in Canada, we've got, we're approaching 30% unemployment. We're seeing some staggering unemployment figures south of the border. Those are obviously going to get worse as the recession bites. And if you're not leading with empathy, 
empathy for your customers, empathy for your colleagues, empathy for the people in your ecosystem. Again, I think as a leader, you will be shown to be on the wrong side of history. So those would be the first two things that I would suggest. Are you prepared to lead with vulnerability? Are you prepared to lead authentically with empathy? Would be lessons one and two for anybody listening to this. So who do you think is doing it right? Like, do you, what, what companies have you seen they've made public statements where you said, yeah, they, they, they hit the nail on the head there? Well, I think you can, you can look locally to all the great work that Loblaws is doing. I think that organization has done a significantly great job of, of prioritizing really what's become the most essential workers outside of healthcare in any economy. It's the people that stock the grocery stores that give us a sense of normality is still around. And I think Loblaws has done a fantastic job. I think in the persona of Galen Weston, they've got somebody quite magnificent who, who has a, a calm and centered and in some ways a sort of homey and approachable manner that they've done particularly well. If I look south of the border, I would give kudos to Brian Chesky, of, you know, the CEO of Airbnb who went through last week laying off 25% of their staff. And I think in a piece of what I would consider masterclass um, communication and masterclass vulnerability and empathy, he sent out a note to the entire staff, which rapidly you know, lit up social media like the 4th of July. Just a really excellent way of saying, this hurts us to do this, but for the business to continue, for the business to be around, we have to make these difficult changes. And I think the way in which that was conducted was just spectacular. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from both of those leaders in how to deal with the current change uh, in a way that builds loyalty, credibility, and I think even compassion for them. Because I think everyone realizes they've got a really tough job right now, keeping their business afloat and keeping their people working hard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, what about ones that you think have done, <laughs> who've, who've had some missteps? I think <laughs> I was reading something this morning about, you know, at the beginning of this, both Darden and, and Kroger in the U.S. both tried to enforce very restrictive sick leaves. Yeah, That really got a lot of lashback in the media. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you seen anything that you just, you know, without getting you in trouble with any potential partners, have you seen anything that made you go, oh, that was a mistake? Uh, I, I, think, I think sadly, um, and certainly I, it's not the forum to name names, we can certainly do that over a beer, mate. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, I think some organizations have acted reflexively and perhaps instinctively to a way that they might have responded in the past and probably entirely missed how incredibly tone deaf either the communications was. That it, that look, as people we've gone through cycles of capitalism where organizations have laid people off. You know, we've done that for decades. And I think previously, the manner in which the sort of often inhumane manner in which it happened was something we just acknowledge as how you do business. I just think that lens has totally been ripped away now and people are no longer prepared to accept that. I think what people are also not prepared to accept is, you know, a very arrogant stance of, 
we need you to come into what we know is unhealthy workplace environments. We're going to ask you to continue to work on a manufacturing line or in a, in a scenario where you are standing next to somebody who could be infected and subsequently could infect others. I think the notion of people who are still prepared to be that capitalistic and look at their people again as just resources to be exploited, I think those days are gone. And anybody who does that very quickly are, are thrown into the fire of social media. And I believe they richly deserve it. But, you know, and I, I completely agree with everything you're saying, but that pendulum can swing really, really widely both ways, right? And you, you talked earlier about vegan muffins. And, you know, we, we all know who we're talking about with the vegan muffins. Who, who doesn't like vegan muffins though, mate? I mean, vegan muffins are the cornerstone of any great organization as history will tell us. <laughs> right. But, you know, people love things like free snacks, right? They do. And, uh, and the reality is organizations, you know, many organizations, maybe not Amazon, but mm -hmm. the rest of us, there's been a real, th this has been a, a very, very fast, sudden and deep recession for us. Yes. And we've got to cut costs. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different ways that we can cut costs, you know, and in some cases, unfortunately, that may mean layoffs, furloughs, terminations. In other cases, it might mean uh, salary cuts. I mean, there's a whole gamut of thing of ma very major things yeah. that organizations, unfortunately, have to consider in a situation like this. Mm -hmm. But at the very lowest end of that is, you know, no more free lunches, no more. And I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean, literally no more free lunches, <laughs> no more vegan muffins. I'm not going to pay for your lunch when you go, when you're out of home. And, you know, I've seen a lot of, of chatter about this online with some very angry employees mm -hmm. that their companies, for instance, won't give them uh, pay for their lunches while they're, while they're working from home. How do you, how do you manage that kind of, the reality is that, there, you know, we have created a workforce. Uh, times were great. Mm -hmm. Times were fantastic and they did yeah. expect vegan muffins. And I yeah. feel like the reaction to taking things like that away can actually be really outsized. I mean, that's a culture ch challenge for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, what would you, what would you recommend in those types of situations? Well, you know, infinitely smarter people than, than myself who've been working in culture for decades would, would contend that, you know, really your, your culture, should be considered like a living and breathing organism. And that every day, in a very Darwinian fashion, it's looking around for signs of its own survival. You know, and they're really looking for signs of what are you gonna continue to do? And what are you gonna act consistently around? And do I genuinely believe how you act and how you behave around me? Do, I, do those signal to me how I should act in order to be part of this thing? And you're right, I think we've, I think in our, in our desire to put a, a glossy sheen on our organizations, you know, we were, we perhaps opened up Pandora's box and said, we'll give you everything that we want, because everything you want, because that's how we're going to attract talent. And in many ways, I think that's probably true for a, for a certain cross section of the, of, of the universe. Those were the bright, shiny bubbles that they wanted to take their talent into those organizations. I think the stark reality is, regardless of industry, regardless of sector, and, and honestly, even regardless of generation, 
people still fundamentally want the same things. And research bears this out time and again. People want to know what their job is. They want to know how they contribute in a meaningful way. And they want to know that they have a way of contributing to the success of the organization. Those don't change. And I would suggest that organizations that haven't made that explicitly clear to their people open the door for a bunch of malcontents saying, where are my muffins? Where for the vast majority of people, they're more interested in what is it that you need of my talent? How can my talent flourish here? And what are you going to do to ensure that I can be successful? And I would suggest for many people, that's got bugger all to do with vegan muffins. It's got everything to do with, are you in the right place? And are you surrounded by a culture that will let you succeed? Okay. Just really got one more question for you today, Hilton. So let's say I'm the leader of an organization. Uh, I am co-founder of an organization, but let's say I got to stand up tomorrow in front of the company and, and, you know, I've got to make some statements around the harsh realities that we're facing. Mm-hmm. And you said earlier, you know, you've got to, you've got to be humble. You've got to be empathetic. And, and I'm assuming to, you know, and also you need to be, you need to be honest. Yeah. What would you recommend to somebody in that situation? What are the, the key points that they should be hitting or making? What are the specific actions they should be doing to make sure that they are hitting those points that they're, that they're coming off as humble, that they're coming off as empathetic and that they're being honest? Well, a couple of suggestions. I would, you know, I would suggest that none of your employees will be surprised by the fact that the pandemic has had a significant impact on all businesses. I think that's universally understood. So I think that's one, that's one advantage you have. It won't be a surprise. I think the reality is, is couching the decision that you've made in some of the following, in some of the following ways. Why have we made this decision? Why have we had to make this decision? It could be you've lost a major client. All sorts of people have stopped stopping shopping in your store. These are just realities. But often I think employees need to be reminded that those have a significant impact on the business and business profitability. I think you also need to open the kimono a bit more and say, what were the, what were the filters by which we made this decision? What were the business filters? Not the emotional filters, but the business filters. We don't believe that this particular function we do is as popular as it was or will recover as quickly as we, as we would need. Grounded in those realities of the business. And then I think the last point really is, what are you going to do with empathy for the people who have contributed to your success, who have been there to date, but you're now letting go? How are you doing that in a way that is respectful, that is empathetic, and where to the best of your abilities can you give them a little bit more rope because they're not going into a, into a, a particularly vibrant economy. And again, I look back at, at the Airbnb folks who are letting folks go in the United States and they have extended their healthcare obligations until the end of the year, which I think they're not obligated to do in the US as an employer. But that's a significant sign of, we thank you for your contribution. We're sorry that we're letting you go. But to the best of our ability, we're trying to create a soft landing for you. 
The other thing that I was very impressed with is they've said they are stopping external recruiting and are going to dedicate all the recruiters at Airbnb to helping their alumni, the people they've just let go, find a new job. And to me, again, I think that's a sign of deep empathy for the people you're letting go. And I would suggest that sign of loyalty will, will be massive when the recovery starts, because that's the stuff your employees who've stayed remember, and the employees you let go will remember the way in which you treated them. That would be my suggestion. That's a great answer. Thanks. Thanks so much, Shelton. Uh, any, any last thoughts? Anything you want to impart before we go, or I think we've covered it? Um, I suppose just the same exhortation I, I give whenever I'm, I'm talking to folks like you who are kind enough to, to have this time with, you know, spend time with me on this topic. Is I still contend, even in the toughest of times as we are right now, that any organization that isn't looking directly and specifically at their culture as a mechanism for their recovery is missing the most significant opportunity they've been given in the last 20 years. If you're not looking at your culture today and looking at how you can transform it and how some of the rules and ways that you acted in the past are no longer relevant and no longer get the best of your people, now is your time because I would suggest all eyes are on you to get it right. And now is your chance to do that properly. Don't miss the opportunity. Your culture is a strategic advantage. Think of it in that way. And I guarantee you, you'll spend the time, the right amount of time focusing on it. Well said, Hilton. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, buddy. Much obliged. Okay. Take good care. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.